This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's another Fantasy Amateurs podcast where we talk about all the pod options for 2024 players under 10% ownership. So when we say pod, we mean point of difference. And some of these guys, maybe, uh, Ryan, not points of difference necessarily in the top teams. Uh, as, you know, sometimes we tend to find some really, really good options have high ownership in the uh, experienced players and low ownership in the inexperienced players. But overall, uh, these are, are fairly low ownership overall sort of options, Ryan. Yeah, precisely right. And uh, a lot of the times, uh, these guys that are below 10%, they turn out to be close to 100% in the top 5,000 once you're four or five weeks in and the you know the cream starts <laughs> to pull away. So um, I'm sure a lot of these options are already in some of your teams, but uh, I think some of them are quite interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we'll open with the guys who are higher owned and sort of work our way through it. Uh, so we're going to open up here with... Tom Flegler. So Tom Flegler uh, obviously uh, wasn't somebody that we were considering very strongly, Rob, until the injury to Tom Gilbert. Now, I actually did a little bit of a a research into this when I was researching the Tom Flegler article before, and and Wayne Bennett pretty much had a 55-minute forward every week last week, and it sort of alternated between, you know, Jared Wallace and... Last year, that's the one between Jared Wallace and one or two other guys. Obviously, it was Gilbert early in the season, and then and Jared Wallace later in the season. Uh, given what this team looks like, and the fact that Tom Flegler play, played the entire first half last week in the trial, is there any doubt in your mind that Tom Flegler's that guy? I mean, you know, Wayne Bennett is one hundred and seven thousand years old, so he's not likely to change his habits anytime soon. And then, what's your sort of thoughts on Flegler with the extra five minutes per game? Yeah, I've toyed with Flegler in the last couple of days. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that gets the minutes as opposed to Jared Wallace. But the quest, the main question I have with Flegler is just um, the early buy is annoying. With We're going to be starting with uh, probably Ewan Atkin as well and then maybe Bostock, but probably not. Um, so, yeah, I think he can push to 55 minutes, which would, with his PPM, get him close to 10 points value. Um, so I've had him I've had him loosely penciled into my team. As you know, you, you've got like a core 16 or 17 guys, and he's been one of those ones that floats around in my in my maybe column. Um, but I, I do really like <laughs> yeah. it. I do really uh, like the, it. The Sean Lane, Tom Flegler tier, yes, I know it well. Yeah, I've got so many of them, eh? It just like... I, I add to it every every day. There's another one that I can just yeah. What's his PPM? What's his minutes like? And and yeah, there, there's an easy path to ten points of value for sure. Yeah, and I mean the important thing to keep in mind here is Tom Flegler. Uh, if you isolate games where he plays at least fifty minutes, there's a twenty game sample. But in that twenty game sample, he got sinbinned in five of those games, which is a is, is a really high percentage. Like if you look at Felice Cafusi last year, he was only like 10% or something like that. And we were calling for him, you know, like saying he was, you know, not, not he was a grub, but he was definitely getting rubbed out a lot. 
Um, and if you, you know, if you take out those Sinbin games, so he lost, what is it, two points per game on average to Sinbinnings or something like that? Um, 1.3, 1.3 plus the penalty as well. So call it 1.5. So 1.5 points per game on average lost to Sinbinning. Uh, so if you add that to the to the sample, it was forty four point eight plus the the one and a half gets you to like forty six and a bit, almost forty six and a half, uh, and that's in fifty three at point three minutes. So you know that gets you your ten points of value. Um, you know, assuming he's not going to get Sinbin constantly, he is a bit of a hot head, so he might get Sinbin occasionally. But you know, have to imagine that's at least one point per game back on his average and you know there's also the potential that he could push up even further into the minutes with injuries and things like that ryan yeah no look i agree um i i think i'm just whether or not i actually end up starting with him it's probably going to depend on how much money i've got free can i afford him um and what does the bench look like come round one like i'd really love it if there was like a you know max plath or kurt donahue or a val tafare on on the bench and we've got three forwards there um, it would sort of spent in my mind that Flegger is going to be that 55 to 60 minute prop. And yeah, it, uh, it really opens the door for him with uh, Tom Gilbert, unfortunately rubbed out for the season. So yeah, I, I think he's a far more interesting option now. That's for sure. I think you're going to find the name that you're looking for. That's going to be in that role is Jake Avarillo. Yeah. Well, that'll do me. That'll do just fine. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, he's in my team as well. I'm pretty happy with him at 8.3% ownership. I think that's going to be higher come, uh, kick off in in round one for the second part anyway. Helam Lukey, 8%. I think this would have been a lot lower, and I'm assuming it's still climbing as people work out that Luciano Lelua doesn't play for the Cowboys anymore. Obviously, a lot of people do their research in the week leading up to the game, so it's not surprising that, uh, you know, his ownership's low. I think it's going to shoot up. Obviously, we uh, we sort of looked at him a little while ago when when the Luciano news came out, and Ryan he's a uh, an absolute weapon attacking stats wise. Uh, obviously, not a huge sample of him playing big minutes, um, but he is quite young. He's you know dealt with injuries, and I think uh, you know he's going to find himself as a uh, you know a mainstay in in fantasy teams. Yeah, precisely. And, you know, he, he relies on those attacking stats. Um, you know, he does have the occasional game where he might only play 50 minutes and score you 13 points or 19 points, as we saw last year. But then he can e- easily bust out an 84 in 60 minutes as well. We saw that last year, too. So um, he certainly relies on the attacking stats. And because of that, he doesn't need to play 80 to be a buy. Um, I think 65 would do it. Uh, luckily, he opens the season with the Dolphins and Dragons in his first two games, so a chance for some attacking stats early on. Um, and hopefully, he is an 80 minute player. It, it certainly seems like he will be um, if the Cowboys bench is what it, we expect it to be. There's no obvious um, edge players unless Ruben Cotter slots out there for 10 minutes or something. Um, he, he seems like a yeah a pretty easy bite for 98k to me. Yeah, I think we're probably going to find that we'll have like Sam McIntyre float out there or a little bit, you know, uh, yeah. that sort of stuff. But um, I think ultimately it's it's going to be big minutes for Lukey and Nanai every week and, and you know, a more sort of consistent edge rotation out there on that left edge with Val Holmes and uh, Murray Talangi making up that really nice left edge. Um, and, you know, he's a future Queensland player. Um, Rob, any additional thoughts on, on Lukey? 
No, I've put him in my team since um, we lost uh, locker room cancer, Luciano, to Dragons. Where did he go? Dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep, no happy days. Lock him in. Yep, great. Uh, now, uh, next one on the list here, Rob, is Api Corusau. Obviously, uh, ownership shot up a little bit since we saw that he was goal-kicking the trials. Uh, they're looking like they're going to be running Lachlan Galvin as their utility, which is probably good signs for Appy playing big minutes, if not 80 minutes every single week. Uh, Galvin's more of a edge-back roller half than a hooker half, I think. So, um, I mean, you know, 70-minute Api Corusau kicking goals, lots of tackles. Uh, buying round one is probably the main thing that's stopping me from buying him. What about you? The buy-in round one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, yeah, I got really hot on him and then I kind of, I just don't really want any tigers anymore to start the season um, because they do have that buy. But I, I know we've talked about um, team composition being like early buys, it is a good time to have a buy, but also it's just a lot. It's just a lot of it's a lot of money to be not having in round one, you know. Even though he's he's underpriced, and I think he will be a good option, I just haven't quite brought myself to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I, I mean, obviously we have a, a big sample of Appy uh, when he was at the Panthers, uh, just being an absolute. Menace, um, but I mean, uh, Tigers obviously last year a little bit of a a, a different defensive outfit <laughs> than the Panthers. Uh, if we have a look at his career hooker stats, where he plays at least sixty five minutes, he's got a ninety three game sample at a fifty one point seven average, but that only features uh, a zero point three goal points per game. Uh, so if we were to add even uh, like a low-end goal-kicking tally to that and five points a game in goal-kicking, that would push him up to like 57, which would make him the second-best hooker. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we can necessarily expect that from Appy. Um, I think maybe low 50s is is more likely, given that he's playing for the Tigers at the moment. They're likely going to be bottom four again. Maybe they can surprise, but I just personally I don't see it. Um, they're still... Lacking a little bit of talent um, from across the park, uh, but look, I mean, look, even last year, right? So, like when he played at least sixty minutes at hooker, um, he averaged forty nine, and that's with just under two points per game in goal kicking. So, I mean, even if you want to chuck on another two points a game, there um, could even be four points a game. Like that sort of gets him close to somewhere between fifty one to fifty three, which I think is certainly doable. Um, again, it is the round one buy. I think Appy is towards the top of my list in terms of like. If one of my emergencies goes really well and I now would like a looper or I wouldn't mind a looper for round one, I think Appy's towards the top of the list there, but he's currently not in my side at this stage. Boo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about him. I think he's a maybe a better head-to-head option. Uh, they do obviously have the... Head-to-head grand final that they're out, but I think outside of that, outside of round one, he plays every other game up until the grand final, so he could be a, a really interesting head-to-head selection for those looking for a vice-captain from round two onwards. Uh, so, yeah, keep keep that in, that one in your mind. And we've got Viliami Fafida here at 7.1%. Uh, so he would be, you know, maybe if you think he's going to get a, a job uh, on the Dragons bench with the event of Luciano Lua. 
uh, pushing uh, Rayma Fatalamarino or Eisenhuth back to the bench. They've also got Molo there with with the sort of the usual suspects, and and it sort of seems like there's a bunch of dudes fighting for like one jersey for feeder among them. He's looked pretty solid in the trials, but I think maybe uh, one way or another, there's maybe not enough minutes there. Does anyone have any strong opinions on Fafida or if it's just like, hey, if he manages to be named as a starter in round one, we'll grab him. Other than that, we'll just sort of watch and see what happens. Yeah, it feels yeah, like I another potential Couchman, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lazy boy. Yeah, I think I um I bought and traded out Couchman for the exact same price last year, so <laughs> I don't really want to do it again. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, love that. Uh, moving on to Sean Bloor, obviously uh, with, uh, you know, coming across from the Tigers to the Storm. Uh, we're hoping that he gets named on the edge in round one. Uh, at this point, it's looking like maybe they might ease him in. Uh, obviously, he came in pretty late in the offseason. The um, the Storm system's not one to rush a player in. You know, it's very much like you do the work, you get the reward type of, type of deal. It's not a, you know, oh, hey, you're a name player. We signed you. You've got a big contract. You're, you're starting. That's sort of not really how they work. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, and, and obviously if Bloor's name there in round one as a starting edge, I think I prefer him to a Sean Lane or a Tom Flegler in the same price bracket. Rob, uh, out of those three players, is, is Bloor the top of your list if he's starting on the edge? Out of who, sorry? Bloor? Bloor, Lane, and Flegler. Uh, yes. Yep. I think... That's right. I, I kind of want um, Kane Bradley, though, at 250k wing fullback edge jewel. That'd be pretty nice, eh? Mm, well, I mean, would you trust that long term? Nope. <laughs> you also don't have to trust it long term. Four weeks will do. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think... Oh, I just I feel like there's a bit of snakes and... What is it? Ducks and drakes with, with belly. I think, it, I think it's going to be blore, but I... Just don't really want to trust it until round one B team list comes out. So he's not in my team at the moment, but I like him if he starts for sure. I think I think he'll be a good option. But I agree with you, Re Belly. I think um, Belly likes to uh, make his players earn their trust, and he only came in halfway through the preseason, so maybe it's just a bit of that. Yep. No, yeah. I think so. Any additional thoughts, Ryan? No, if he if he's named to start on the edge round one, he'll be in my side. Other than that, I, I he's not in my side currently because I don't think he's going to be there. But yeah, other than that, I don't think much more needs to be said. Yeah, no, mine's the same. Uh, Joey Losick, six point seven percent, surprisingly low ownership here. Uh, Ryan, do you think that's just a function of there's a bunch of people with hands and a bunch of people with Lusick and and you know we spoke about Lusick on the pod the other day. Um, that you know, he's uh, sorry, he spoke about hands the other day on the podcast being high ownership and, and a lot of people making that mistake of of doing the eels hooker. I mean, have you ever have you given any consideration during this preseason to just not trusting it and, and ditching both of them? And and I mean, what would you you know, if it is assuming it's Lussick, I think you said the other day that, um, you know, if it's Lussick, you'll be okay, if it's hands, you will and Lussick's on the bench, you'll you'll avoid. Is that is that how you feel? Yeah, yeah that, that was my initial thoughts, though. I am leaning more and more every day to just uh, avoiding the lot altogether if um, if either of them is on the bench, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's, oh, I don't know how much you can trust Brad Arthur. And I don't know, I, I thought, 
I had in my head that Joey Lussick's PPM was a little bit better than maybe what it actually is because um, it's 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 not that good, <laughs> really. It's not that much better than Brendan Hands. No. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think if there's one on the bench and one starting, I, I don't know if I'm going to touch either. Yeah, that could be one of those decisions that sort of makes or breaks a year if you if you do skip that Eels hooker and and BA was lying or not lying. Uh, it's definitely a, a choice that you can sort of. But I mean, if you go for, let's say you go for uh, Harry Grant and Brandon Smith in your hookers, or you know Reese Robson, Brandon Smith, I don't think you're going to go wrong per se. It's just if Lossett comes out and pumps out a 45 to 48, and Robson uh, is is what everybody's scared that he might be, which is you know not the player he's been for the last five years in a row, and and you know just had a bad stretch of 10 or 12 games. If everyone thinks that that's the new norm, then um, you know, and that is actually true, then we might see, you know, that be a mistake. But otherwise it could be a, a stroke of genius if they both just play 40 minutes for 30 points each and and that's it. So, uh, Rob, any additional thoughts there? No, that that makes sense to me. Uh, I, I think we might get a bench with Lusik and Hands, but it's just what's going to happen with Brad Arthur? Is he going to play Hands? Is Hands just going to, you know, cover the halves and, and not touch the field. Um, the What's his son? What was his son called? Brad Arthur? Jake Arthur. <laughs> you know, where he j- would just come on the field and, and just, you know, run the waters for a bit. It's, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to trust if they're both, if they're both there. But um, I think Lusick's the one to start in your team and then we can reassess it when we see a team list. Yeah, I think the big thing is if there was one coach you were going to trust to only use 15 out of 17 blokes, Brad Arthur would be the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, Drew Hutchinson's next on the list at 5.7%. I admittedly am a bit mystified by this ownership percentage. I think he's one of the main ones that's the uh, really high ownership in the top 5,000 or what's going to be the top 5,000 teams and nobody else has him because they're all – you know, worried about Toby Sexton or whatever. But, I mean, I think it's going to be Hutch. If it's not, it's going to throw a big spanner in a lot of teams that are running thus, you know, Cleary, Hutchinson, Weeks, tri- triumvirate of halves or, you know, as Ryan proposed, the Fogarty, <laughs> Hutchinson, Weeks, triumvirate, <laughs> uh, which could be really concerning. Um, you know, it's going to throw a lot of spanners in some teams. I think – Definitely, if Hutchinson's not named, it could make me, you know, sort of reevaluate how how I'm distributing the money around my team. But I, I think maybe I'd just probably try and find the cash to go from him up to Fogarty uh, to partner Cleary if if that was a case. But I think, uh, you know, he's got a really strong base. He does a a decent amount of kicking. It's going to take the pressure off Burton and organize the team. Sexton's a little bit um, inconsistent and you know maybe a little bit erratic and I think Hutchinson's just a really steadying influence on what's otherwise a pretty sort of uh I'm gonna call it volatile Bulldogs team that might be the right way to describe it um I'm uh yeah I'm, I'm pretty confident on having Hutchinson in my 17 every single week Rob do you have any reservations at all about Hutchinson or if it's simple as like if he's in the halfback jerseys in your team and that's it yeah, it almost seems too good to be true at the moment with Hutch. Um, so I think we'll just keep playing it with a straight bat until he's not named, um, and then we will all need to panic, especially <laughs> those of us that are potentially thinking about not getting Clary. Yeah, yes. 
Yeah, the old, you know, you could always just throw the the C on Cleary, uh, the C on Haas, and then for round one. I know Jason from Talking League's been talking about uh, starting with Haas, captaining him, not putting the vice captain on Cleary, but starting with him, assuming that team lists go the way that he thinks he's going to. So you've got sort of both, but you've got that captain locked in and you know what's happening in round one, and then you can sort of pivot with the most amount of money if you need to. He's been discussing that. Um, Ryan, any additional thoughts on Hutchinson or, you know, as simple as, yeah, halfback, he's in your team? Yeah, straight bat option. He should average low to mid-40s fairly comfortably. Um, yep. yeah, yeah, plenty of base there. Love it. Now, um, the Mercurial Mitchell Moses is next at uh, 5.4% ownership. Now, obviously, uh, last year played a number of games with and without Dylan Brown. Uh, Moses is one of those guys that feels like he should be in the Cleary, Hines, even Sean Johnson sort of tier average type guy, but just never quite seems to get there. Um, So if you look at his games where he played at least 71 minutes last year, he averaged 60, which would give him just a tickle of upside on his current price of about 57. But, I mean, he also, we looked at him with and without Dylan Brown, and he actually was better with Dylan Brown than without. And also, uh, obviously, the Eels were pretty poor last year and we're sort of expecting that more than likely they're going to, you know, make a little bit of a comeback. Uh, Ryan, I know you're, you know, strongly considering the uh, the fade Cleary strat. Assuming that goes that way, is Moses your sort of main, main port of call there? Yeah, I think it's between him or Fogarty if I was to go that way. Um, I, the problem with Moses is just the floor. Like, he's got the ceiling of the top guys, of the Cleary Hines. It's just his floor is uh, it's lower than those guys, and he hits it a little bit more regularly than those guys. Um, yeah, like yeah. A 29 against in a two-point loss against the Titans, uh, 34 against the Broncos, 39 against the Roosters. And these are all three of those games. Like the, the Eels did score points, so it, it's not even like they were shut out and he, he did crap. It's just sometimes he, he just doesn't get as involved, I suppose. And I mm. suppose when you've got Dylan Brown, you can do all the running for you as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit concerning. There probably is a little bit of um, tiny bit of upside there. Bulldogs round one. Uh, no buy till round nine, but, yeah, it's just the floor that concerns me. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're backing him to start hot and Cleary to start a bit slow with that tough draw in the buy, you could really start with Moses and look to just turn Moses into Cleary, but then you're also then just buying a, an, an origin guy midway through the, the opening of the season and, and missing out on the big scores. But, I mean, that's a you know, potential option there if you, if you think they're going to sort of meet somewhere close to in the middle. And same thing with Moses and Hines as well. Obviously, Hines is quite expensive. He's carrying that quad injury. And, um, you know, the Sharks have a, a soft draw from round one to round 27. Uh, so, you know, if at some point you think that Hines is going to slow down for one game when they play one of the, the Panthers or the Broncos in their two games where they play a good team all year, uh, then, you know, maybe you think he's going to, um, you know, come a bit closer to Moses's price and, and you can sort of, you know, jump that way. Well, that's a potential option. But Moses also as well, if he averages 60, he's a season-long keeper and uh, maybe he plays Origin, maybe doesn't, who knows. Uh, but what all I do know is Moses... Playing Origin, I'm going to skip one player and circle back because it's a nice segue, uh, is Will Penasini, who we've been pretty excited on in the preseason. 
Uh, obviously, Will Penasini, about 5% ownership. I think he's another one that's maybe higher ownership in uh, more popular uh, or more, you know, like experienced guys' teams. Uh, he seems to have about five points of value, Ryan. I know you're pretty hot on Will Penasini, uh, obviously, in games where he played with no Moses. He only averaged like 27 uh, and games where he played with Moses. He was like 47 or something like that. Interestingly, same deal with Sivo um, with Dylan Brown. Sivo averaged like 17 in games where Dylan Brown didn't play and like 36 where he didn't where he did play. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, the splits there. Um, and, and I think even if you take out uh, that game where Moses like broke his jaw and only played like 40 minutes against the Broncos, I think that average for Penasini goes up even more, I think up to like 49 or something like that. So yeah, Penasini was one that was in my team from uh, the jump, like very early on. And then he found his way out of my team for quite a bit. And now he's been back in my side for a little bit as well. Um, it's, it's just one of those ones where like a lack of cheap center options is sort of pushing me towards going for some more brand name options like Penasini and the guy we'll talk about next, uh, sort of locking down that center role where they're not quite as expensive as, you know, your Dane Gag guys, but there's a good amount of value there. They're not ruining my team composition and I'm getting a, you know, a, a solid floor from a guy that basically never scores below 30 when uh, Moses is in the side and no buy till round nine always helps and the Bulldogs in round one. Always good. Bargain. Rob, yeah. anything to add to that, or you think uh, Ryan's got it pretty well summed up? No, I recommend reading Ryan's article on Penasini um, on the Amateurs website. It's really good, and it's uh, – yeah, I think it's just the lack, the, the lack of center options. I mean, it has forced us to pick one that's possibly the guy we talk about next, but also Penasini is – Really valuable. Uh, I had him in draft last year and he was an absolute fill-up. So, yep. Yeah, still young as well. Obviously, he's um, he's only like 21 or something like that. So maybe it's that the, he has an unknown ceiling that we don't know about in the gag eye stratosphere somewhere that we, we don't even know about. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and then you and Aiken, obviously, is the other one Ryan alluded to. 5.3% ownership for him. Looks set to line up on the edge for uh, the Dolphins. Uh, when he plays on the edge, he's a 50-point average player. Uh, he's priced at 40. Uh, he's got the jewel. Uh, the Dolphins have an early buy. is probably the only sort of detracting factor. But, I mean, he seems like a uh, a fill-up, Rob, in the, uh, in, in the, in the centres who, uh, you know, like the, the, just the strong base of an edge-back rower being available with the upside of, of Aitken's sort of dynamic attacking nature. Yeah, that's it. I think if ever there's someone that has center eligibility that lines up in the back row, we have a look. And looking at um, Aitken's back row starts for the Warriors, uh, he was really, really good. He he pushed um, high 40s, um, early 50s even. So, yeah, I think if he's named, um, he'll be an absolute goer. I think he'll be. I think he'll his his ownership will go up quite significantly from that uh, 5.3. But maybe that is just one of those ones where um, people that people that know what what's going on, people that that have played the game a few times before, will will flock to him um, because he is he is not like a you know sexy option, but it just represents so much value. And um, yeah, he'll, he'll be one of the first picks um, for round one B for me. Yep, nah, good stuff. Anything to add to that, Ryan? Or you think he's got it oh. covered? 
I'd just, uh, I guess I'd add, um, is there anything that would scare you off, Aiken? Like if, uh, say, Lemuelu starts and Felice Cafusi's on the bench or if it's the other way around, would that scare you off at all? Or I, I don't think there's any conceivable universe where Felice Cafusi's named on the bench. Um, if, if Lemuelu was named on the bench, which I don't think he's going to be, I think it might give me a cause for concern unless it was a four forward bench with Lemoello representing the like utility where I still think Aiken would play the like the 65 to 70 minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I just ask, I, I just ask cause uh, Lemoello did ended up like, cause Felice Cafusi was named to start the trial, but it ended up being Lemoello with Cafusi coming on later. So that's just yeah. the why I ask. So. Yeah. I uh, think, um, yeah, I think I think that's something we think we we revisit, and also, yeah, obviously if Aitken ends up in the centres, we can give that a big wide berth as well. Yeah, the good news is he's got like a couple of guys who I'm sort of loosely interested in, um, sort of hanging around there, and even like if we get a late if we get a late switcheroo as well, like we get you and Aitken, they he's shuffled and he's actually named uh, at centre or, or on the bench and, and Lemuel is promoted. There's Hamaso, who's almost exactly the same price, who is I, – I, I do have a it's like a fleeting interest in. And also another guy that we're going to discuss later in Tessie New, who's at 0.4% ownership, um, who I think could be a potentially interesting option with a centre dual and, um, and, you know, 130K cheaper than Aiken. So that's a little tease to keep you around to the end of the episode. Uh, Billy Kikau is an interesting one. Uh, obviously went through injuries last year is quite, uh, economically priced down at 37 average. If you have a look at his seasons where he played at least 71 minutes on the edge, uh, he has, uh, a 2020 average 46.4, 2021. He only played two games, but it was a 49 average. 2022, it was a 44 average. So if you bundle all those three games together, um, it comes out to 45, which is eight points of value in 79 minutes. The big concern is obviously him playing 79 minutes a game, which sort of seems to be uh, maybe not realistic given Preston's a a comfortable 80-minute player and they've got guys like Curran more than likely going to be on the bench along with, you know, Salmons and Mins who are going to be sharing lock. Um, And then also the fact that he's not playing for the Panthers who are the the number one team in the NRL anymore. He's playing for the Bulldogs who are going to be a bottom four team. And and I think he's interesting to look at the same way you look at like like a weird, like a, building or something or you're trying to work out why they decided to paint the house purple or you know something like that and then you just move on and you don't actually want to move in there ryan <laughs> i think that's a good analogy um and like the, the to be honest the big negative in his column and the, like the thing that sort of stops the conversation is just how many edge options we have around that 500k mark or cheaper um you know like mm. he's more expensive than pia cora lukey tupanua wong um, how many edges can you seeming like get in? He's he's not that much cheaper than even Sean Lane, who you've spoken about. So yeah, uh, to me that's the one that kills the conversation. It's just how many options there are in that position uh, around that price point, if not cheaper. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I think that's probably a good place, place to even put a pin in that, Rob. Unless you have anything specific to say on top of that. No, I don't think I've looked at him once this off season, um, but perhaps not because he's. 
terrible just because there's better options. Yeah, I looked at him once, and then I don't know if you guys remember that scene out of Team America where he's vomiting in the alley. <laughs> he's not that bad. <laughs> no, I know. I said it for dramatic effect, Rob. For gags. For gags. For the for the podcast. For the memes. Uh, Justin Olam is next on our list at 4.8%. If Tigers didn't have a buy in round one, I'd have a lot more interest in Olam than I do right now. Uh, I think uh, if we had some weird like mail on Seb Chris or something like that getting ruled out, I'd have another look at him as well. I think I prefer Seb Chris at the price and with the jewel, but I could actually be convinced that Justin Olam is a better option. Uh, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, guys. Uh, Rob, maybe starting with you, I know you probably maybe have, uh, like me, have sort of forgotten about him. But, I mean, you got you got to have a look here. 2021, he averaged 35. 7 2022 average 34.7 uh he's priced at 27 which would give him seven or eight points of value um which is pretty similar to what i have said chris at to be to be completely honest so i mean what's the difference between these two players and are we overlooking justin olam we probably are overlooking justin olam i just have him probably closer to the early 30s than the mid thirties, if that makes sense. Um, whereas I think uh, Seb Chris, we've just got a bit of a better. Uh, it's probably just a change of teams. We, there's there's a bit more unknown um, with Olam as opposed to Chris. We've seen him do that job at the Raiders before. He's averaged a bit better. I think he's more likely to be in the mid thirties. Um, but yeah, I'm open to it. I just, I just, I think I prefer Chris. I like, I also, I, I, I think I just prefer Chris. That's probably it. It's probably just a, a name, brand name situation. Yeah. I guess the other concern for me, Ryan, is looking at Seb Chris. And I mean, I want to sort of tie these two players together because I think a lot of us have got Seb Chris in our team and we're looking at him going, oh, yeah priced at 29, average 39 the last time he played center in 15 games. 86.7% try scoring rate seems really, really high for a center in a bottom four team. And Yeah, yeah that's certainly correct. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I just worry that maybe we're all just put Seb Chris in our team and we stop looking at it. And in fact, you know, I'm not saying that Justin Olam's definitely a buy either, but I'm just saying I think they might be more similarly the same player than what we're giving them credit for. The only difference is Justin Olam's only missing three games. Seb Chris is missing four, and there's a danger that he might get lobbed back at fullback because Ricky Stewart. And and I wonder if maybe like we've just all just accepted that Seb Chris is a great buy, but he played 16 games at fullback last year at an average of 31. He's priced at 29 and, you know, he started the game, the season really, really slow and then sort of heated up in the, in the back end a little bit. But yeah, my, my big concern is, you know, like is Seb Chris 33, 34 instead of 39 average. And, and, you know, we're actually losing a game to get a player that's exactly the same in all them and paying $24,000 more for the privilege of it. Yes, well, uh, you've certainly laid it all out there. And um, to be honest, there's a reason why I haven't really toyed with... I, I, I'm not particularly a fan of Olam because I, I'm not sure, like, how much improvement can you actually mark from, like, when he averaged, say, 30, just under 35 in 
2022. Like, how much improvement can you mark from that average going from Melbourne, who are a top four side, down to the Tigers, who are potentially bottom four? Uh, and then, look, I, I'm, I'm with you on Chris. Like, this is the reason why I've sort of been locked into running two decently gun centres. At this stage, I've got Aiken and Penasini with uh, Benj Wojvik and Nick, possibly Nick Kotrick if uh, we get him, like, just sitting down in my emergencies. Um, I, I, I'm just, I just don't like any of these you know, flimsy options, and I just prefer to take a risk elsewhere on some cheaper players and lock down uh, the... A position so that I'm, I'm not sweating. Is my centre going to score ten or more this week? Yeah, and I'm, I mean, Rob, I know you uh, needed to be quiet because Ryan was talking there, but I can actually feel the sweat visibly forming on your forehead because I, I get the feeling that maybe you've been one of those people that's had Seb Chris locked in. Yeah, I think my argument for Seb Chris staying in the centers is that they really don't have anyone else to play in the centers, whereas they've got like a thousand fullback options. Um, but I agree a hundred percent with what Ryan was saying um, about Olam and about generally starting with poor center options. We've got no one where that's why we're looking at Chris who's ordinarily wouldn't be an option because he's bloody suspended round one, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, I, I would really like another option if I could, but I think I do think he'll be in the centers. I think that they don't have anyone else. They lost Harley Smith Shields, and I don't really think they have anyone else better than Chris to play that. Whereas they've got yeah, Rapana, Savage, Stewart um, to play at fullback. So mm. I think it, I think he'll be center, but I agree that there's um, some some issues with with starting with him. I'm kind of really hoping that we get Nick Chotty, to be honest. Nah, um, I just don't see it, eh? Again, at wing, oh, like, it could be savage, I guess, but the shot's too yeah. good. Nick Chotty, 103 games at wing, average 30s, priced at 19. That's all you need to know. Oh, mate, I've got Chotty locked in, but yeah. I think he'll I'll start. I'll, I'll put him in my – I'll put Nick Chotty – no, 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 I'm not saying the center. I'm saying in the wing. Mm. I'll yeah, I'll start yeah. in my fantasy centers with Nick Chotty and you and Aiken, no problem. Chot chot chot. <laughs> Nick Chot God. All right, now we've hit oh, it's the, time. the Rob. It's time. We've hit the, we've hit the peak of the podcast, boys. Slow clap. Walking with the bowler. <sighs> Jason Tumbalolo. All right, now I want to give full credit to the Tumbalolo guy in the group chat. First off. I'm not going to try pronouncing his name. Every time I say, where's the Tomalolo guy in the group chat, he pops up five seconds later, so he knows who he is. Jason Tomalolo is 30 years old. I'm, I'm not going to tell you he's not because he is. I'm also here to tell you that Jack DeBellin is 26 months older than Jason Tomalolo. So or will not have any conversations surrounding the fact that Jason Tomalolo is washed and cannot Average 44 points per game. I won't hear it, okay? Torhu Harris is older by like 18 months and, yeah, two and almost two and a half years older Jack DeBellin is. I realize that Jack DeBellin has less tread on the tires. I also realize that he got absolutely punished last year and he's fine. Cameron McInnes is pretty much the same age as Jason Tomalolo is. It's like six months between them and 
you know, everybody, like we saw McInnes punch out 1.05 PPM last year after never having done that before. So I, I don't believe that it's impossible for Jason Amalolo to go back to what he was doing 12 months before this. Okay, just straight off the bat. So, Cohen Hess, this seems to be the world's slowest MRI. I haven't seen that he's definitely rubbed out with the ACL, but it may just be that he has and the club hasn't actually posted it on their uh, on their socials. Uh, they've promoted Thomas McKayley to their top 30 squad day this afternoon. Uh, this is uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we haven't got any McKaylee news yet, but I think it's a, a matter of time and, and a team list for the Cowboys team that runs out is Ruben Cotter, Tamalolo, and McLean in the middle with a bench that looks something like Jake Granville, Griffin Neem, Thomas McKaylee, and Sam McIntyre, which in the past would have meant that Jason Tamalolo was a 60, 65-minute walk-up guy. Now, obviously, he is not that player anymore. What he is is absolutely somebody that needs to be playing 45 minutes or more for the Cowboys. I don't think he's going to play 60 minutes at all. I think if that's his shorter Ruben Cotter injury. He's 45 to 59 minutes a game. Are we are we comfortable, Ryan and Rob, that that is a fair range to put him in? Yes. Yep. Yep, great. All right. In that time, he has... 80, so since 2015, he has 87 games that fit within that sample size. So Tomalolo has always been a little bit like a steam engine where he's actually better the more minutes he plays. But I'm going to read the PPMs first because I think PPM is, is probably a better way to do this. So 0.85, 0.92, 0.9, 0.8, 0.88, 0.99, 0. 0.83, and then 0.7 last year, which is a full 0.1 ppm lower than his worst ever season. So when we're talking about Jason Tomalolo, we're not talking about him going back to prime 2017 wrecking ball, Jason Tomalolo, where he was skittling blokes for fun. That's not what I'm talking about. Jason Tomalolo hasn't scored a try in that sample since 2018. He is absolutely massively overdue. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that he's going to go back to pre-PVL ball numbers either. I don't think that's a fair uh, assessment to make. Um, I think I want to look at 2022, all right? So he played 13 games in 2022 uh, he, between front row and lock, which amounts to the same thing in that role, 53.5 minutes for 44 points. If we just use that, it would be 10 points per game in you know in in a uh you know his price at 34 at the moment so in that his base was 24 tackles and 140 meters with 2.7 tackle busts and two missed tackles which you know for a 30 year old prop that's not an unreasonable stat line particularly someone built like jason tomalolo now last year he was definitely 100 percent absolutely carrying an injury there's no question about that he was carrying an injury uh, he played 10 games last year, averaged 36 in that sample at 51, which is a full eight points lower despite only playing two minutes less. He increased his missed tackle by, t- count by one missed tackle per game while making two tackles less and about one less tackle bus per game. He also made no line breaks aside from one, no tries, no 
line break assists, only three offloads for the entire sample, where uh, in the previous season he had a 30% offload rate, uh, sorry, a 30% uh, line break rate plus 0.25 to 25% line break assist rate, uh, more offloads, more turnover tackles. And it seemed like he just was filling the stats sheet with zeros last year, where even in 2022, where he was still a 29-year-old middle forward, uh, you know, he was not doing that. So once again, I'm not asking for peak Jason Tamalolo 20, you know, 15 to 17. All I want is Jason Tamalolo 2022 back, not injured, and we're going to get our 10 points of value. So, I mean, the only real question that I have here is whether 50 to 55 minutes a game is is reasonable, and we sort of – it sounds like we think it is, uh, particularly with that that bench, aforementioned bench. Uh, and then obviously as well, Jason Tumalolo doesn't have a buy up until round 16. So he's just available. Uh, he's going to have the guys like McKaylee in there doing all the, um, you know, short impact stuff. Obviously, Sam McIntyre is not going to be stealing huge minutes off anybody anytime soon. We know Jake Granville is Jake Granville, but Jordan McLean is also getting pretty old. Ruben Cotter is going to play State of Origin. Um, he's also – the Juice, uh, Ruben Cotter is the guy who gets rested when the Cowboys are blowing teams out now, not Jason Tamalolo. Uh, Luciano has gone. Uh, I think – I don't want to use the word comfortable – 10 points of value, but I feel a lot more favorable about the fact that Jason Tomalolo has 10 points of value than I do about somebody like even Satili Tupanua or Sean Lane. Ryan, your thoughts? Jeez. I need a, need a, a whiskey and a cigarette after that. That was, that was something. Um, no, look, I, I, I don't disagree like i could comfortably see him going back to 2021 2022 tamalolo where he was like a point a tick over 0.8 ppm um yeah i I think for me the question has always been the minutes because you know you sort of need that odd 55 minute game uh like 53 to 55 like if he's going to be like a 48 to 52 um i suppose that the, the thing is like there's not that much downside really, is there? Like he's not going to go backwards in price. If anything, there might be, say, five. Like say he averages 40, like that's still six points there. Um, and that's not a very high bar for a middle forward playing 50 to 55 minutes most weeks. So, look, yeah. look, I don't hate it, um, especially like I've been big on the Cowboys bouncing back this year and, I mean, it fits my narrative. So, no, look, I, I don't hate it. Yeah, and I mean, he does have a 36 in that game where the Cowboys just absolutely beat the living shit out of the Tigers. He only played 36 minutes, uh, and he also had another game there where he only played 38 minutes and a couple of 41-minute games. I really just don't think that's going to be feasible for them this year. So, I mean, even if you take out, like, you make it a minimum 42 minutes a game, which, you know, most starting middle forwards, like Moses Leota plays like that, you know, like most weeks, you know, that's 52 minutes for, for him and it's 51, 52, 52, 54, 62, 46. You know, that's pretty good. You know, there's a couple of low, like sort of mid-40s games in there which he's going to knock out. But if he plays 52 minutes at 0.8, I think that's 44 if my math is, if my math is good. Yep. Oh, solid maths. <laughs> yeah. No, look. no, 40, 42, 42, which is eight points of value. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it's borderline. It's it's borderline. Rob, no, I uh, yeah, I it's just hard to get excited about, but it's a, it is a really good option, and it's one I'll be considering in round two. I think it, it's just going to be a squad composition issue for me. I think. I guess. I guess the question is: like, is it Tamalolo or is it Totola? Yeah, oh, I take. I take Tamalolo every day at the moment. You take Tamalolo every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Not even close. Two more games. Two more games. Rabbitohs have a round seven and a round thirteen buy. Jason Tamalolo's first buy is round sixteen. Mm. The best ability is your availability. He's a former superstar player. If you guess, went back three years ago and told us that he was going to be 468k, and when we're considering not buying, and we laughed you. I understand. I understand things are different now. I also understand. Tom Todd Payton is like five losses away from being asked about. You know, he's the the, the coach on the hot seat. Uh, I guess the question is like Tamalolo versus Tatola. Like you say, two more games, but like. Are you going to want either of those players in your team come round 13, like if they're averaging 45? If Tomalola is available in round 13 with no Ruben Cotter, no Hilam Lukey, no Jeremiah Nanai, or definitely not Nanai and Cotter, you don't, you're not going to want to be starting a player like Tomalolo that you picked up without a trade for 470K. Well, no. What I'm saying is, like, say by round eight, he's uh, hit his peak price, and uh, are you still going to hang on to him there, or are you looking going to be no, looking no, no. upgrade? I'll see what I'll, I'll see what happens at that point. Okay. All right. Yeah, mate. I I I I was very supportive of your anti Cleary pro pass take. I feel <laughs> like you're not supporting it, no, mate. You, you ride Tamalolo up to uh, you know 650k, and then you trade him to Cleary in round seven. There you go. Perfect. After he's got three tries. He's yeah. 100%. He's due for a try, Tamalolo. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, All right. When was the last time he scored it? When was the last time he scored a try? Yeah. It was round nine, 2021 was the last time he scored a try. I remember. Uh, awesome, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Actually, no, he got one in the final in 2022. He got 95 points. In 82 minutes against the Shark in the quarter qualifying final in 2022. Oh my God. <laughs> Where's that tumble all That's he's coming back, mate. I told you. Open your ears. <laughs> Welcome. Plugging him in. Yeah. Plug him in right now. Don't take him out. Captain. Yeah. Yeah, how is it that I can't get you excited about Jason Tamalolo, but you're getting all excited? You were getting all hot and bothered about paying 57 <laughs> points a game for Tino. What's going on? Mate, he's in my team. Just relax, all right? Is he's plugged in now? He's plugged in. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to you know Tamalolo steamrolling blokes. But if I if I end up with uh, Tamalolo like taking eight meter hit ups and then like passing before he gets to the line, throwing massive cutouts, oh, the, I'm not. Oh, gonna the be Gerbo, happy. the Gerbo, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I get Gerbo Tamalolo, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> it's a way long Tamalolo. Gerbo. Jerbal, oh my god, no! Let's not call him that. You'll ruin him now. Now, now, if he goes poorly, I'm going to blame the fact that you called him Jerbalolo. <laughs> okay, Tino, Ryan, talk to me about your Tino article. You wrote one. I didn't read it because I have no interest whatsoever in buying Tino. But t- tell the people in case they're interested. <laughs> in case they're interested, what an introduction! Yeah. Oh, jeez, I don't even remember what I wrote now. Of uh, yeah, that's, can- a, that's it. Uh, I, I mean, I can. I know that I concluded that Tino is not a buy for round one. Oh, um, okay. 
yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's best left uh, for draft. If you're going to take a punt on him, you have to be head-to-head focused. Um, just, yeah, it doesn't make sense to start with him, I think, for round one. Uh, I mean, it's just when there's guys like, say, Cameron Murray that we've spoken about, Jermaine Hopgood that we've spoken about in uh, previous podcasts. It's He just sort of leaves him the forgotten man. He's got to buy in round two, and obviously he's going to play Origin. So... Yeah, it's like he, he does have a, a nice draw to start the year with uh, the Dragons, uh, Canterbury, and the Dolphins. So, look, there's a chance he can get some attacking stats there. But, yeah, just the the, the buy round two is the real spanner in the works, especially for overall players and um, especially because you're going to be wanting to slap the vice-captaincy on him a lot of weeks as well. So. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you really look really closely and you squint at him a little bit in the games where he played at least sixty eight minutes, which you know he could be a, a seventy minute player uh, with no David Fafita. Uh, he averages sixty three point eight points in seventy point four minutes. Mm. So yeah, I, that, well, that's really what you're aiming at. Yeah, for sure. And like I, I concluded in the article, like it's entirely possible that he averages in the low sixties. Before Origin, it's just yeah, it's just that round two buy that is just the real killer. killer. Um, like you really can't consider him for for overall. I don't think. Yeah. No, that's fine. Good job. All right, that's it. Unless you have anything to add, Rob. No, same as me. No, great. All right, now um, we might circle around to Ryan. I know you also did the. Valentine Holmes article who's the next person on the list so I might go down one and and come back uh Rob I know we were looking at uh, Jeremy Marshall King at one point a little while back he's at 4.2 percent ownership uh with the injury to Gilbert I feel like maybe uh we could be in for a potentially another long season for the uh Dolphins I know they've got Flegler uh they've lost uh, uh do they lose anybody I feel like oh they added Herbie Farnworth as well I guess probably better but maybe not um not great is, is probably my assessment of uh, the Dolphins' chances. But, I mean, Marshall King, he was sort of battling through a shoulder injury, and I think there definitely is some value there. I just don't know exactly how much. Is he somebody that you've considered, or is that round three buy just sort of, you know, steering you away? Yeah, I think too many Dolphins, um, and also possibly there's uh, – it seems like there's – um, some slightly better options at Hooker too. I, I think when we were looking at him, it was only really that Robson, Marshall King, Reed Money kind of level. Um, but I think we might get a we might get an eel, and we can probably just run Cheese and an eel now. Yep. Or Appy, who probably has similar you know prospects, but is um but better upside perhaps with kicking goals and fifty k cheaper. All right, yep, no, good stuff. And uh, similar for Reed Marnie at 680K, um, similar concerns to last year with the Bulldogs middle. I don't think they've really done a huge amount to alleviate that. We'll probably cross him off the list as well. Rob? Yep, yep, yep. He's the same. I'd put him in the same category uh, as Marshall King. I think too many too many missed tackles. Just don't really like his chances in the middle. With They haven't really added anyone in the middle. Um, it's going to be Curran or... Salmon and neither of them are great defenders. So, yeah, I'd leave it alone for now. Yep. Uh, speaking of Salmon, uh, Ryan, we had a question through on the, the thing, which I know I don't know if you're going to be on the questions pod tomorrow or not. Do we get a, a like count on how many likes we need to get for you to do a video of you doing the Silly Salmon? 
Like count on what? What needs to be liked for me to do it? So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna share a link on our amateur social media to this to come and listen to this podcast. So people are gonna have to go back, find the post again and like it. How many people would have to like that post of me sharing the link to this specific podcast on our amateurs Facebook? How many people would have to like that for you to do a video of you doing a silly salmon into a pool? Oh, I don't know. A hundred. A hundred. Right. You heard it 100. first here. Perfect. Now, just so you, you're feeling very comfortable about this, there was exactly eight likes on the share of the studs and duds. So very, very safe. Ryan's playing it massively safe here. Uh, so what I want all of you to do now is pause the podcast, go back to the post and like it so that Ryan has to send a video in of oh, him no. doing a silly salmon. Oh, no. And find a pool. Yeah, find yeah. a pool is the hard part. Yeah, that's oh, all right. I'm sure there's one. Just do one at Bondi, if worst case scenario. Just yeah, no, do one talking. under the surf. Great. All right, Valentine Holmes. Um, Ryan, I know uh, we're struggling uh, with uh, trying to find a cowboy to put into our team, uh, but Valentine <laughs> Holmes, see, that's sarcasm because there's lots of cowboys we're going to put into our team. Um, <laughs> Valentine Holmes at 4.4%. Uh, you also did an article on him. Uh, which I also didn't read because he's a bit too expensive for what I want to buy as a centre. Uh, but I also did his article the year before where I thought he was quite a good selection option. And and obviously a goal-kicking outside back is is always a great thing. So I'm curious to hear your uh, Valentin Holmes analysis. Yeah, so look, uh, Val is one I've had in my team a little bit. It's sort of been between him and Penasini. Obviously, Penasini's uh, a bit cheaper, so it makes it a little bit easier to squeeze in. Um, I've been trying to squeeze in as many non uh, like players without a buy prior to Origin um, as I can. Uh, so interestingly enough, Valentine Holmes didn't have a sin bin in his entire career until round 21 and round 22 last year. He had his first ever sin bins in back-to-back weeks, which is kind of remarkable, um, rubbed out for the rest of the season. Uh, he has a very good floor, um, and unlike Penasini, he also has a ceiling as well, like a higher ceiling, and hits that ceiling a little bit more consistently. So that's sort of what you're, hitting, uh, you're paying for there. Um, so the, the big downsides for... Val last year, outside of the Sinbin games, were the two games the Cowboys got completely flogged in, as you'd expect. We've spoken about that with just about every single Cowboy we've discussed. Um, in the 14 games outside of, so outside of the two Sinbins and the two blowouts, in the other 14 games, Valentine actually averaged 55 and a half last year. So it's, it's completely possible, um, especially like for him in a good attacking side, if the Cowboys are firing again, goal kicking, it's entirely possible that he is in the Dangagai tier and there is a significant amount of value here. Um, it's just, the, the, I mean, the biggest hurdle, the biggest stumbling block, block is a price tag. Like paying over 600K for a round one center will always be a hard sell. All right. So I, I put the question to you this way, gun to your head. Tom Trebojevic and Valentine Holmes are about the same price. Uh, correct? I think maybe Val might even be a little bit cheaper. Yeah, I think Val's so the, 22 cheaper or something like that. So uh, durability, I think uh, we probably don't need to go down that route in terms of working out who's the, the better, more durable player. And Maybe I've just jinxed Val now, so I apologize to Val and his family if I have. Dolphins, Knights, Dragons, Broncos, Titans, Parramatta, Sharks, 
Panthers, Dolphins again, Titans again, Rabbitohs, Tigers into the into the the first buy. So outside of the Panthers and the Broncos, so he does face both of the grand finalists from last year. I am formally not that concerned about that Broncos matchup either. So it's really just that, uh, just the Panthers one that really sort of worries me. Um, it's it's pretty looking pretty good. Uh, Val obviously even by the from memory, I just had a bit of a quick scan. It is games here. I actually think he still did all right against, yeah, he got a 77 against the Storm in round 14, a 71. Oh, that was when he absolutely belted the crap out of the Tigers. So, yeah, he does sort of have that capacity there with that 77. Um, even when he doesn't score a try, he's got a lot of 42, 42, 47, you know, type scores. 56 with no tries. I think uh, you could be onto something. My biggest concern for this would be the the prospects of the Cowboys overall. I think. Yeah. Well, I think that was what I essentially concluded at the end. Like your outlook on Val should probably depend on your outlook for the Cowboys this year. And if you're not particularly hot on them, then he's fine to let through the keeper. Um, either way, I think there's maybe a couple of points of value here. But if you think the Cowboys are going to be on the wrong end of some floggings uh, some weeks, then, yeah, he's, he's probably worth leaving. I guess the thing in his column, um, like obviously he's going to play Origin, so it's no good for your overall players. Um Maybe a tick in his column for uh, head-to-head is that he typically backs up after Origin. So there's always that there for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I like it. Good. Uh, yeah, good good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, if you're looking for a gun center, I think you could definitely do worse. Um, Scott Sorensen, 3.6. Scott Sorensen leg. He pulled out of the... Uh, the World Club Challenge with a leg injury, nondescript leg, leg injury. Uh, he's an interesting one, and I mean, this is the counter punch to the um, to the fading Nathan Cleary uh, thing. Is playing head to head and just taking like Cleary, Sorensen, and Isaiah Yo from round one and just abandoning the round six head to head matchup. Hmm, interesting. So just uh, slotting in that that loss in that week and taking the guns for the rest of the uh, yeah rest of the rounds yeah okay yeah they're available the rest of the time we think maybe Sorensen could have a couple of points of upside depending on whether they just choose to run that eighty minute edge or not um, and whether if it's Sorensen obviously Martin has never been traditionally an eighty minute edge so um, but I mean Sorensen definitely can be that guy and obviously we know Nathan Cleary's pedigree. Um, outside of that, there's sort of not really another, any other options, but you sort of, if you're going to do that, you kind of, it might be a head to head double down type dude. And uh, oh, as we discussed Sorensen previously, I'll sort of cover off on this. We sort of already spoke about him. If we could guarantee that he was going to play 80 minutes every single week, he was a buy. But I think the problem is that we can't do that and we're never going to be able to get inside the mind of Ivan. So until that, until that happens, he's probably going to be a nap butcher from last year where we just got to keep an eye on it. And if he plays 85 weeks in a row, open the season, we might, you know, come back in round seven and have a look at him. But by then he'll be expensive and we'll be looking at him as more of a, uh, a dual keeper type dude than, a, that, than any other, anything else. So um, that's, that's probably that. But Jack Bostock here at 3.5% is, is quite interesting for me, uh, he was one that I've had in my team a lot of this week. And with the increased number of other options, like you see Wa Wong's and, and my, you know, recent love affair with Jason Tombololo, 
I've I've been inclined to find myself uh, looking for a you know Pappenhausen, Keeney, or Weeks, depending on how you feel about those two guys, with another gun wing fullback and and not sort of mucking around with Bostock, particularly given we're probably going to start with you and Aiken and maybe Tom Flegler. Uh, Rob, uh, Jack Bostock, any interest for you, particularly if you decided to skip one of those other two guys? Uh, yeah, I think again it's the. Dolphins early buy that's really just turning me off him. I think I think he's got more job security than the Rabbits guys, but um he is a little bit oh he's a little bit cheaper, isn't he, than them. I think he's three or four K from memory, somewhere in the early three hundreds. He's definitely got value. I think he's a I think he's a good player and I think he'll hold that position. It's just the the early buy for me. Um and I think we should get Aitken instead and then Possibly I'd rather have Flegler than Bostock, and then that's too many Dolphins. Yeah, no, exactly right. Any uh, additional thoughts to that, Ryan? Or you? No, I agree with Rob. Just trying to limit my uh, Dolphin outlook with Aiken and potentially Flegler. I, I don't want to have too many early on. Hmm. Can I uh, Can I get your best Dolphin imitations while we're here? <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. Can you do it, Mark? Like, ah! <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You one of those? Ah! I don't think I can beat that. No, I'm too busy trying to work out a silly salmon, let alone a dolphin. <laughs> a silly you're, dolphin. You're still, you're still busy looking at pools, mate. Fins <laughs> up. How funny. All right. Um, I've, got, I've got a little story for you. Um, okay. I feel like it's story time with like, okay. Robin Ryan. Hey. Are you going to distract, um, distract the listeners, Rob? This is a bit off-brand from us. Yeah. Uh, so we were, I was watching the Warriors playing the Dolphins on uh, whenever it was. Sunday? Saturday? Saturday. Um, and I uh, had my daughter with me watching the game. I've taught her up the wires. She knows up the wires now, which is great. But I was I asked her just like non-ironically who were the Warriors playing, and she said the Dolphins. And I don't remember telling her that we were playing the Dolphins or – that the Dolphins, like, symbol had come up recently. So I think she's a genius, but if she's not a genius, then maybe she just saw the Dolphins logo on the television, and that's just, like, really good uh, intuition. So mm. thought it was a genius. Uh, what can I say? All right, I've got, I've got two comments to make here, and neither of them are complimentary to you, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the first comment is, obviously, she got it from her mother. Um, and- that is without a doubt the truth <laughs> and probably the right answer. <laughs> um, is it possible that um, she actually follows the podcast? That's, that is also very true. Yeah, maybe it's like if I fall asleep and like it's still going through the night on my earpods, <laughs> she can just listen to us <laughs> talking shit for two and a half hours. Yeah, we'll be like... Come coming in. We'll be like coming in like round like three or four. We'll be looking at like amateurs league and the number one team overall. will be like, I love Maisie or something like that. And we'll be trying to work out who that is. Yeah, or maybe I could run. I could run my head to head team as my daughter rather than my wife because I feel like they equally care very very little about <laughs> fantasy sports. Oh man, she knows they're the dolphins. Run it as Maisie. Run it as Maisie. Yeah, you just wait until she's replacing you. She'll be. Uh... Regular Rob's daughter for next week, next year. 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. She's we've a gun. Had, She's... Uh, we've already had Lucy on the pod multiple times. It's yeah. Yeah. Big red cliff girl. Exactly. Up. Oh, fins up. <laughs> All right. Wouldn't oh, be us. Man. Sorry, wouldn't be us to uh, uh to disrupt yeah. the podcast. Der- yeah, no, derail. I'm disappointed in you, Rob. That's yeah. Unnecessary derailment. Uh Danny Levi, three point five percent. Um I don't know even if I think if there was no hooker on the bench, I would I'd I'd look at him, but I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. Um, I think uh, anyone starting with Levi's probably asking for a little bit of brain damage, although the um, the price point is admittedly very appealing at 286k for a starting hooker. I uh, had a bit of a look at him. If he gets to 45 minutes a game on average, he is a buy. My big concern is him playing like the first 30 and getting subbed off for Starling and never coming back. Uh, Ryan, have you had any look at Levi through the offseason? I just don't think he's going to start, to be honest. Um, like they've got Zach Wolford there as well, who uh, obviously Ricky's mates with his dad. So um, mm. I, th- I think that weighs more into anything else. But, yeah, I mean, if he starts, I'll take a look at him, but I just don't think he's going to. Yeah, and I mean, uh, just to bring something to everybody's attention now, just so all of you can be as upset about this as I am, um, if you go to his picture on Fantasy, you'll notice that he didn't take his watch off for his uh, photo. Are you kidding? What watch is he wearing? Oh, it's, it's just like some Casio. sort of sports watch. It's, it's, it's little Casio 1995 from the Servo <laughs> Jobby. Big, I don't big have a, Casio guy. I don't have, it's probably got a little calculator on it. I don't have a problem... With the fact that he has a Casio watch, I have a problem with the fact about the lack of attention to detail that he didn't bother to take the watch off. That's that's the problem that I have. Why didn't they tell him to take it off? Jesus. Oh, no, just drop the ball. Yeah, pick it up. All right, DCE, uh, great player. Got Luke Brooks coming into the team at 3.1%. I think that's probably 3.1% too many. Uh, the only argument for him is if you're running the – anti-Cleary, no buys, and you don't like Payne Haas or Sean Johnson, he's the only other player you can do it with. That's the only good argument for Cherry Evans. Uh, I mean, is there a world we see where Cher- uh, where having Brooks there actually unlocks him, Ryan, do you think? or uh, I suppose it's possible, but it's just hard to imagine. Like, It's sort of just the same thing as uh, Nico Hines, isn't it? Like just taking a little bit away from that ceiling and floor, just eating into the base mm. just a tiny bit. I'm sure Cherry's still going to be great. He's still his team. He's still going to do doing the bulk of the kicking. Um, it's just, yeah, it's at the price. Like He's already priced at 64. I'm pretty happy to yeah. let him through. Career high, career high average. If you look at his 2021 season where Tommy was really fit, he averaged just below that. But even then, you know, it's still, you know, it's, 40% try scoring rate for half is really, really high and I'm probably expecting some negative regression there. Now, Metcalf, boys, uh, the question was put as to why Metcalf is on this list and partially, in no small part, to the discussion that was had on Talking League yesterday morning where they were talking about Metcalf and uh, the conversation was something to the effect of um, if you have enough money to sell Drew Hutchinson to upgrade him to Luke Metcalf, that is a good decision to make. That was the uh, the the thought that was put out there, and my first instinct was to go, "What the f are you talking about?" And then I went and actually had a look at Metcalf, who is actually a lot better than what I thought he was. Still, probably not better than Hutchinson, but. I hate it less than what I did 
on my initial hearing of the the take. Uh, so Hutchinson, uh, sorry, not Hutchinson. So we obviously we think Hutchinson is a very high thirties, low forties, potentially pushing the mid forties type guy. Metcalf, uh, not including. Uh, so obviously last year he's he's priced at thirty three, uh, but actually if you have a look at his half average for the career, he does average thirty eight which would give him a five points of value. And, I mean, like, we don't want to go in with player goggles in here, and there's a baseline for uh, a discussion to be had. And then, Rob, you have a look at the Waz. They look really, really strong again this year. He only kicked the one goal there at 0.2 points, so I'm not sort of worried too much about that. Um, He did only get a 25% try scoring rate, which in a top four team for a half, you would expect that maybe to be a little bit higher. They've added Roger to Avastashek immediately outside him, so you have to imagine that's probably going to help. Um, he didn't do a massive amount of kicking, and Sean Johnson is not getting any younger, only 40 kick meters a game. Maybe he can steal one point a game of kick meeting off Sean Johnson, you know, maybe. Uh, also, obviously, he had a couple of games with really, really low scores where he had five, six missed tackles in, in three of the last five games. Maybe there's a little bit of you know, tired from the long season and and that sort of stuff. You know, if he gets that 2.5 missed tackles a game down to two missed tackles, he, you know, it's another two or three points worth a, a swing there. And all of a sudden you're looking at a guy low 40s in the, in the mold of a Cody Walker with a little bit less kick meters. Uh, although, I mean, Cody Walker, when he played with Adam Reynolds, did did score really, really well as well. So, Rob, is there any way, as a Waz fan, obviously there's no Waz obvious buys at the moment. Is there a world you could see where you found your way towards slotting Metcalf into your team, given we have seen a couple of ceiling games where he's got the 63, 54, and 63, respectively? Yeah, I think the ceiling's there, but it's probably the floor for me with Metcalf. I think... His low games are really low, and with with it still being Sean's team until unless unless there's a Sean injury or Metcalf takes on a lot more of the general play, kicking a lot more of the organisation. Um, I think that the it's it's a bit more of the Ezra Man mold for me. Like the just he's a bit more of a running, like really good attacking player, and and will be will definitely benefit from having um, Watini's Lesniak. No. Uh, Roger two of us check outside him and Montoya, but it's I just I I just would rather Hutchinson and and that's the kind of guy I've got in that position. I just prefer Hutchinson's base, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, I agree that Hutchinson I think is objectively a better option. Theoretically, if uh, if Hutchinson, if let's say it was Sexton and it was you know. Kyle Flanagan didn't get named and they put uh, Jack Bird in the halves or something like that. Would you have a look at Metcalf, right? Uh, I mean, I guess there would have to be a lot of things that go wrong to get me there. But uh, uh, I mean, I agree with everything Rob said to me, like the thing that would hold me up again is those four games because like those four games are so low that it's going to halt like any price rises. So like you could have a, a 37, 54, but then if you get a 13, all of a sudden, like the break evens back up into the 30s, and you're like, oh, God, you're going to need another ceiling game to get this moving again. So that's that's the thing that's going to keep me uh, from diving into Metcalf, I think. Yeah, and he, he actually started really, really well. So if you, towards the end of the season, the missed tackle count definitely shot up a lot. 
Um, if you have a look at the thir- round 13 through to round 20, he averaged 42, which would be nine points of value. And it was just at the end of the season that he started scoring poorly. Mm. Nope, fair. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Mm. I hate it less. And I'm sorry for yelling at you on my radio this morning, TK. Uh, Adam Elliott is next on the list here. 2.4%. I think uh, there was a little crew of uh, Adam Elliott fans who seem to have cooled a little bit on him at the moment. After two poor trial performances in a row, Ruben Cotter, Tom Flegler looking really, really strong. Um, plus, you know, let's not forget the GOAT, Jason Tumalolo available. Um, it, we've sort of discussed, I think this would be the third conversation that we might have had now about Adam Elliott. I don't think anybody's opinion on him's changed that he's not, He's probably five minutes short of being a buy. Have either of you changed your opinion on that? Or uh, maybe Rob, starting with you, give me a quick yes or no that you still have the same opinion. No, same opinion. I've had a few people with him in their team that I've steered to other slightly better options. Um, if you want to go for him, it's up, it's up to you. You can do that. But I think there's better and better options. Yep. No, agree. Nothing more to be said. Yep. Lovely. All right. Thomas McKayley, he's only been added to the game like yesterday or the day before. He's already at 2.3% ownership. I have to imagine that's going to be a lot higher. Uh, 261K, eligible in the mid. Cowboys lose. Cohen Hess, Luciano Leilua. Uh, McKayley uh, probably looks set for a role in the 15 to 30 minute space. Uh, he has 20 career games where he's done that at 25 points and 24 minutes. Uh, uh, there's a few sort of older sample size games in there. There's some pretty bad teams he was playing in. Uh, the Tigers actually is every single one of those games in that sample. Uh, if he can sort of push that and, you know, earn a role, maybe take the minutes that I'm expecting from McIntyre instead, uh, it pushes up to, you know, if you look at 20 to 35 minutes, it pushes up to 28 in 30 minutes, which is enough to get him to the 10 points of value or, or close enough to it. Uh, also, one of those players is going to be available every single week up to and including round 13, barring injury and getting dropped, which, you know, the Cowboys' middle stocks are pretty in the dumpster at the moment. So, I mean, is there a chance that McKaylee could make, work his way up? Obviously, old man Tom Lolo, old man McLean, McIntyre not setting the world on fire. And, I mean, Griffin Neem's a good player, but, um, I mean, he also earned a pretty good role off the bench at 35 minutes last year without injuries. Uh, Ryan, maybe starting with you, is McKaylee somebody that you would look at to put in your uh, emergencies? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I guess we'll see what the team list looks like when it comes out, but uh, I think it's possible. Like, he is a 30-minute player. Like, we... Um, I think our initial projections, like we had Hess for like 30 in the middle, 10 on an edge. Like let's say, obviously, McLean 40 minutes in the middle. Um, let's say McIntyre's a 10-minute middle or and 10-minute edge, or maybe he's just a 10-minute edge and he doesn't see that much time in the middle. Um, Neem and McLean split 80. Uh, it's sort of like Granville spells Cotter, then that sort of leaves like a 25 to 30-minute roll there to spell Tamalolo. So... Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. I mean, his PPM's decent. Uh, like, he could be a, a high 20s average here. Yeah, it's basically a one, like PPM. Yeah. And if the Cowboys were to lose any one of Ruben Cotter, Tamalolo, McLean, or Neem, 
I feel like he just could set himself up for some really nice cash rises. And I think he's a perfect guy to have. Like, he's probably not that different from having Sam Hughes, except for the fact that we've heard lots of really, really good things about Sam Hughes in the preseason. And But McKaylee's looked really, really good. He's looked dangerous. He was offloading. He was breaking tackles, scoring tries. Obviously, we don't expect props to score two tries a game, but he seems to be really, really keen um, and, and keen to prove himself and earn a role after you sort of sort of floating around disappointingly for the last couple of years between the Titans and the Tigers. Well, well, the funny thing is, like, he scored two tries in that trial game, but he hasn't scored a single try in his NRL career. Like, he's currently got the longest drought, 67 games, no tries. Wow. Yeah, That's he's, take, he's taken yeah. over Twal as the, as the new <laughs> trialist yeah. guy. I, ha- I have to imagine he's going to get that get that done, assuming he uh, gets gets moving. I'm I'm really I'm really keen with him. I'm I'm wondering if I maybe I'm overcapitalizing a little bit with four Cowboys in my team, not including the potential of of Reese Robson. Uh, but I mean, you know, all of them are sort of seem pretty pretty good. And I mean, maybe it's uh, Tomalolo or McKaylee, not both, because you know we're kind of hoping on maybe McKaylee stealing some minutes from Tomalolo potentially, but if you were to go that way, but I think there's definitely room in there for both of them. Um, and, you know, you could do a lot worse. Potentially, if you want to just go, like we get, let's say you go, you know what, I'm gonna not going to risk it on on Burbo and I'm just going to trust the fact that I'm going to get Kotrick and, uh, and put two gun centers in. Um, you could really, you know, get a, a nice McKaylee in the, you know, 30 for 30 in your number 20 slot and, you know, have a guy who's available to fill in if he if he does start playing more more minutes. So, Rob, any any additional thoughts there on Tom McKayley? No, his ownership seems to have gone up um, quite steadily since he got added to the app today. So I expect that to go up quite a lot. And um, yeah, we can only pray that he gets the minutes that Granville ordinarily would have got. Um, but we know Todd Todd has a massive uh, boner for <laughs> Jake Granville, unfortunately. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I was listening to his uh, interview. He was listening. I was listening to an interview with Todd uh, and he was talking about like, oh, he's like the two players, who are the players that really impressed you last year? And he said, oh, yeah, Jake Granville and Jordan McLean, you know, they're really good trainers. They're great for the he's club. He's got no and, idea, right? He's just such a seabold. makes me so upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. All right. Alex Safarth, next on the list, 2.2%. He is cheap. Uh, he looks set to be the lock at 359K, eligible in the mid. 26 break even, 2.2% ownership. Uh, he, you know, break, the, the, the PPM is quite slow, Rob, but I mean, even at a, you know, 0.7 or somewhere thereabouts, as long as he's able to knock out sort of 45 minutes, he should get to that 10 points of value or, or thereabouts. Um, you know, what, what's your sort of attitude been to say far, so far this year? Um, actually, no. Point seven won't get him there. That'll only get him to thirty-two. So, what does he need? About point eight. Yeah, point eight at forty-five minutes or more minutes or better scoring. Yeah, the PPM's concerning. The round one buy is concerning. Um, there isn't really anyone else that could take the role f- for me. Like, but it's just the the PPM and the minutes. I think. Um, and it's just another round of not scoring, and you could possibly get the same scoring for someone a little bit cheaper perhaps. Um, but I've, I've got him in that kind of maybe camp with like Flano and that kind of range of, if you need someone under 400 K, then you, you, you start to have a look at him. Um, if he's starting, if he's starting prop, if he's starting lock, like it's a good option. It's just, you're going to have to start with him before you know that he's going to definitely be there. Mm. 
Yeah, and Ryan, I, I sort of haven't really had say fathers at all this preseason. Uh, I, I can't, sort of can't really get on board with them, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, me either. I think if there's a tiger I'm going to start with, it'll probably be Appy if I want to loop. Um, Safarth, I'd just like to see a week. Uh, like, if I'm going to buy him, it's not going to be till round three. I'd just like to see him in round two, see what he does, and uh, reassess round three. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Ken McInnes, co-captain of the Sharks. He has been named uh, as of last night to be the co-captain of the Sharks. Obviously started slow last year uh, coming off the bench before just absolutely exploding uh, in that, uh, you know, period from sort of round seven onwards, I'm going to say. So uh, if you take out the first couple of weeks of the year where he's coming off that bench, uh, average 55.2 in 54.5 minutes uh, last year. That includes a 36 and 35 round 18. Um, Obviously not expecting him to be doing that at all uh, this year. So if we were to just look at his at least 50-minute games, assuming he's going to start as the captain, uh, he averaged 62.7 and 59.3 minutes, which is monstrous, giving his price at 50. Uh, I guess my big concern here, boys, is that prior to last year, and Rob, maybe starting with you, prior to last year, his PPM has never shown that it's this high. Like this is a, you know, fringe pain Haas level PPM, which is not something that we typically associate with Cam McInnes. He's a workhorse. He's got 58 points of base in that 62, which is just absolutely monstrous. He's 46.7 tackles and 120 meters, uh, almost as many demerits as attacking stats, but attacking stats a little bit better. I, I guess the question is, uh, Rob, do you think he's going to start at lock and push Fanukin to prop? What do you think his minutes look like? Um, and do you think he can sustain this PPM? Oh, there's a lot of noise this week about this. Uh, it's been debated hotly in the fantasy community um, about what's going to happen with his minutes. I think... Oh, I I hope that he pushes Braley out and that he spells a bit at, lock, at, at hooker and then plays kind of the balance or close to the balance of the 80 in the middle, um, that would probably be the best for his PPM um, because he is really just that tackling and run meters kind of guy. Um, he's good for a few missed tackles, but um, I think oh, I, I don't, I don't even know if he's going to start. I really, I really don't. I, I tend to think he won't. I think the captaincy is a bit of a red herring, um, but yeah, if he starts, I'm going to have to seriously have a look. Um, and if he starts at lock, it would almost be better for the team. And we know we know that the Sharks are pretty bad at um, organizing a proper team. But it would almost be better if he just started it at hooker, right? And then um, pushed into the middle um, when Blake Braley came on after 20 or so. But I don't really see that happening. Either. Well, that's what we sort of discussed. We were sort of discussing that via private message, whether McInnes starts at lock, um, plays like the first 15 to 17 minutes at lock, and then Royce Hunt go, or Braden, who I'm Hamlin ULA, whoever's starting at prop, comes off, Braley comes on, pushes McInnes to lock and pushes Finucane into that hooker rotation. And that would really mm-hmm. free up some really, really nice minutes there. I think... Um, I think we've all just sort of like I've been operating on the assumption that maybe Toby Rudolph was going to step up this year 
Um, not maybe not as confident that that's the case now, but obviously if we were to snipe 15 or so minutes off Braley and give him to McInnes, uh, that sort of gives him a 60-minute roll or thereabouts, which is more than enough for him to bang out a 55 to 60 average and, and be a gun, Ryan. Yeah, no, look, spot on. Um, it, it's certainly a case of wait and see for mine. Because um, I, I, I tend to agree with Rob. It, it, the captaincy might be a red herring. Like maybe this is just a uh, McInnes is going to be the captain when Fanukin's not on the field and Fanukin's not going to be on the field for half the game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, if he's starting, I'll, I'll take a serious look at him because, I mean, his PPM was just crazy last year, wasn't it? But, yeah, yeah so it was really high. If you have a look at his career lock games uh, where he plays between 50 and 79 minutes, which I think is, you know, like so he's not going to play 80 on any given week. Uh, it's 60 points, uh, 60 minutes and 58 and a half points, and that's across three seasons. So that's a little bit more of a comfortable Actually, there's only two seasons. No, this is, there is three seasons in that. That's a little bit more of a comfortable sample size for me um, where, like, it's just under a point a minute. I can get behind that um, as opposed to 1.05 ppm. So, yeah. No, I like it. Um, I'd really, if he's named at hooker to start in round one, that will be the, like, I'll be 100%, like, I'll be in. Oh, get the jewel as well. Get the jewel. Oh, the jewel hooker. Oh will be a <laughs> yeah, if he's named it Hooker and Braley's on the bench, that will be the sign for me, like 60, 65 minutes. And, I don't and think that's going to happen, though. I think you're right. It's probably more how, likely. But how, what, why is it that Harry Grant and maybe Damian Cook this year and Reese Robson and Blake Braley are the four hookers that play 80 minutes? Why is that the case? What has Blake Braley done to be in that category of Hooker and Appy Coruscant? N- nothing at all. Nothing. nothing at all. I guess Reed, Reed Marnie plays 80 minutes every week, but, look, I mean, look how that goes for him. Like, he'd be much better playing 65, but he but he doesn't. Um, you know, it's it just there's no – like, all of the really, really good, you know, hooker rotations, unless you've got an absolutely elite gun hooker, you don't play him for 80 minutes every single week, and, and Braley is not an elite gun hooker. And I'm there's sorry. just no need if you've got someone yeah. like McInnes. Like it would be oh. so good at um, at Origin level if they played McInnes um, in the Origin Absolutely. in the hooker rotation, yeah. right? Well, you start so. him. You start him at hooker, and yeah. have him take the sting out, and then have Appy come out, come on after 15, 20 minutes and play out the remaining sixty minutes. That would be so smart. Do but you they don't get Origin, mate. That's can't right. do it. Can't do it. But anyway, we're not going to go back into that. But they got. Uh, obviously, they've got Rudolph that can play sort of decent minutes. They've got Fanukin, who's used to playing about 50 minutes a game. They've got two 80-minute capable edges. They've got guys like Hazleton that can play extra minutes. They've got Jack Williams, Kafusi, Jesse Colhoun. Lo- like lots of options for guys there who can play minutes. Like we've got, at the moment, we've got, you know, Toby Rudolph playing 45 minutes, Hamuel playing 35 minutes when he's getting paid 700 grand a year or something next year. We've got Royce Hunt playing 25 minutes, Hazel 25, Colhoun 25. There's absolutely no reason why Braley should be playing 80 minutes every single week. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well said. We agree. Yeah. Cool. Now, we discussed Seb Chris earlier. We're fine with you buying him. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more dubious on him as the preseason goes along. That's all I'm going to say on that. I think I'm going to do that as we already discussed him earlier. Eli Katoa, we had a big chat about him. He was one of the podcast favorites last year. Obviously, uh, if there's no Sean Bloor uh, and we don't go Harry Grant uh, and, you know, Pappenhausen's obviously one-storm player, Eli Katoa is a fine option. But, Ryan, I think it's probably similar to 
what you said about Kikau, although they're not in the same basket, but in terms of the fact that we've got so many really good cheaper edges that you don't need to be spending 600K on a, or 640K on Eli Katoa. Yeah, precisely right. Um, it's just any other year, I think we'd be all over Eli Katoa because to me, it looks like there is probably six points of value here, pro- potential for him to even push that higher if he can get the trial rate going again. But yeah, round four buy and so many other edge options, it just it makes it a hard sell at the 639k price point. But yeah, any other year, I'd be all over him. Yep. No, good stuff. Anything to add, Rob? No, I think it's the yeah combination of the buy and the other edge options. So good player, but let it go. Yep. Yep. Jack DeBellin, 1.2% ownership. Uh, he's one for the, you know, he's in the Hopgood Murray uh, mold in terms of like if we knew he was definitely going to be playing 70 minutes every single week, he'd have some value. Uh, I think the thing with DeBellin is new coach. Uh, they've added a lot of dudes who are able to be on the field. Is probably the, the the best way I can say it. You got Raytal, Raymond Fatala Marino, you got Tom Eisenhuth, you got Luciano Lelua. Um, I think while they are not superstars, they are going to add something to the room of uh, a- available forwards. Uh, obviously, when he played at least sixty five minutes last year, averaged sixty four point eight in seventy four point eight minutes. Ryan, I think that the hardest thing here is is expecting that he's going to play seventy five minutes a game on average. Yeah, precisely right. And especially like the unknown of a new coach there as well. It's just, it's tough to know exactly what's going to happen. And like Cam Murray a little bit cheaper, Jermaine Hopgood, not that much of a step up as well. It's just, yeah, I think coaches are just preferring some more tried and true methods. And um, yeah, I think, I think it might be hard to see, uh, hard to trust, I, I should say, maybe uh, DeBellin playing those huge minutes week in, week out with Shane Flanagan in charge. Although I guess, I guess uh, Flano played Gallon pretty big minutes uh, during the time, so it's not unheard of. Yeah, I guess you definitely don't want to be banging a 33-year-old middle forward into 80 minutes a week every single week either, like when you don't need to. Uh, even if you just have a look at his seven games last year where he played between 60 and 79 minutes, it was 68.4 for 58.4. I think that's pretty – I think that is a really realistic like sort of line for what we can expect from him this year. Um, you know, and there's some 60s and 70s in there and a 39 and a 51 and a 52. So that's kind of, I, that's what I'm expecting from DeBellin. And I think he's a great draft option. I think he's a great option later in the year, um, but not not for round one. And Jordan Rapina, he has a, allegedly won the race for fullback or potentially maybe at least for one week, unknown as to whether that's actually true or not and how long that will last. Obviously, they've got plenty of options at fullback. Uh, there is some value if he stays at fullback long term, Rob, but probably not enough to warrant uh, warrant selection. Mm. Yeah, I think draft option um, because probably kick goals too. If at, at least if no. um, oh, no, with your man Fogarty. Yeah, Fogarty. We don't even know if Fogarty's playing, mate. Yeah, yeah. but if, if if Fogarty's not there, it'll probably be even strange. I, I guess. No, yeah. uh, probably. Although Rapinoe kick over strange, surely. Anyway, if you have a look, if you have a look at Rapinar, um, he has a career average at fullback where he plays a full game uh, of forty-four point two. Um, a lot of that there was some twenty twenty-one sort of shenanigans in there. We had some pretty big scores. If you have a look only at the games where he played there last season, he had four games at 54.5, which is pretty high, although he did have three tries in that. 
Um, I mean, if you really think he's going to be there long term, 487K price at 35, uh, theoretically not the worst option. 2021 to 2023 inclusive, he's got 11 games at 46 with no goal, goal kicking in that and only four tries. Have we got the player goggles on, boys? No, I think we've appropriately got the coach goggles on. Um, the, I, the problem is isn't Rapano; it's Ricky Stewart. Like he's just yeah, that, he's man. never played uh, Rapano at fullback for what a stint longer than maybe five games, six games. And in twenty twenty one, he played six games there. Twenty twenty two, he played two. Twenty twenty three, he played four. So like he's never really been there for an extended stint before he's been shuffled back to the wing or. Yeah, something like that. So I think that's probably the biggest concern for mine is that he might only get like three games before he shuffled back to the wing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust Ricky enough to fight you on it. I'm just, yeah, I want to keep an eye on that. I want to, I want to keep an eye on it. That's what I'm saying. Now we got the uh, the Tigers edges, Rapana, not Rapana. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman here at 0.8 and 0.5% respectively. I'm really interested in both of those players if they're not on the buy and run, which they are, and if we didn't have a million edges, which we do. I'm really interested to keep an eye on how they travel this year. I think they are a little bit of value. I think they're great draft selections if anybody hasn't done their drafts yet. Um, any additional thoughts on the Tigers' edges, Rob, or that's a pretty fair sort of thoughts? Yeah, that's fair. I think I've got Papali'i in draft. I- Pretty, pretty keen. I think he's going to have a good season. But, um, yeah, maybe just pick him up later on in Classic. Yep. And um, make sure you get that uh, that bet on at uh, 151 to 1. Oh, yeah, do it. Uh, last player on the list here. So just uh, apparently it's my turn in the draft and I've always timed out. <laughs> Um, the last player on the list here, Tessie New, is somebody who I have a interest in, um, and it was only that I was having a bit of a look at him, and um, I, I think he's going to be the center, and I think Avarillo is going to be named on the bench. That's my sort of feel. Um, and if you have a look at his current price, so he's only wing fullback eligible at the moment, and I'm I, I don't advocate putting two dolphins in your centers at all. Um, he's so if you have a look at his career center average, it's 37 uh, in the 80-minute games. Uh, although five of those games came in 2021, obviously he was two years younger, a lot less experienced. Um, but the two games that he finished out last season, 46 and 48 respectively without a try, uh, very impressive, looked really solid in the base, about 175 meters on average, 0.4% ownership. I think Tessie knew... His function in fantasy this year needs to be assuming that he's named at center and gets that center jewel. If something gets right to the end and um, we get right to the end of this, uh, you know, week because the Dolphins play in the last game of the round and then the 24-hour or the twelve, the one-hour team lists come out and Ewan Aitken's actually like dropped or on the bench or something like that and Lemuelo comes in or something like that and Tessie New is still there. I think he's your break glass in case of emergency. Move you and Aiken to test a new option. I think is is the guy. That's that's kind of it. I don't think I would start with both of them. I think um, he's definitely got something to offer. But I mean, the the hard thing is, you know, how many centers average over forty? Not that many. He is kind of that, 
you know, a tackle busting type guy. But Ryan, I think that's that's kind of the extent of my my joy for testing you is as a break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, oh, no, look, I, I think that's spot on. Um, I, I don't think he's that much worse than Seb Chris and he plays round one. So, yeah, I suppose if uh, obviously you don't want to have two Dolphin centers with the round three buy, but yeah, if we don't get you and Aiken, um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind him at all. And he's probably in the same boat as Seb Chris, except he plays round one. Yeah. Yep. He's going to be available through the season, obviously. Um, but yeah, obviously you said that round three buy is not ideal. And, and uh, yeah, I, like I'm not saying that, I, like I definitely don't want to be sort of trying to attack him or anything like that. And, I mean, 0.4% is usually a pretty good sign that he's not a not a great buy. But, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's an option. Rob, if you, if you sort of get to he's, the end of the... He's certainly a better center than a winger, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, now, Rob, I do actually want to bring up a couple of other, like there was one or two other guys here. Now, there's been some chat about Paul Alamotti with the injury to Sania Taruva. Have we seen any uh, updates? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any. Um, uh, he said he's confident for round one, so I think we can sort of put a pin in that. Is there anybody that's on this not on this list that we didn't discuss on either podcast that you guys have any interest in? There's been some chat about Rocco Berry, but, you know, I, I think I've expressed my concerns about him being a, Discount Joey Manu, that's you know in danger of losing his job and nowhere near as talented. Uh, is there anybody for you guys that's sort of standing out? Mm, not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, just a lot of draft options. All the people that we culled off this list, um, which was already too long. <laughs> um, there's yeah, there's lots of options. And if you think we've missed anyone, please hit us up and let us know. But um, I yeah. feel like we've got most of the fantasy relevant guys uh, between this pod and the last. Um, and yeah, let us know if you think, if you've got like a big smoky, like a 0.1%, um, then just, yeah, run with that. But, and let us know. Yeah, we've definitely had a, we had a uh, Sean Russell, a couple of Sean Russell sightings. I think we're, pretty comfortable he's not a buy um there's been a few other guys like that sort of floating around i think people are just scrounging around for a center that they're hoping for something that's maybe not necessarily there so well uh yeah we'll see what shakes out obviously rob it's been an interesting day today uh, hopefully next week's tlt is nowhere near as stressful as the um the tlt from today hopefully we get a, a lot more calm calm tlt next week uh any uh, what's your biggest dilemma going into trying to put your team together for uh, the first set? Uh, oh, just the big um, Ryan from the clouds running house with no Cleary. <laughs> um, I think cool. I've I think I've already come back to the pack and put Cleary back in. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It, was, <laughs> it was a fun um, forty-five minutes or so. Um, yeah. So yeah, I th- I think um, I, it's just going to be. Pick, it's probably like Tatola, isn't it? It's guys like that. They're like 50-50 kind of guys that yeah. um, do we want to lock someone in that is perhaps slightly suboptimal or do we want to just wait and see and get like a Tamalolo next week? It's, it's tough. We've never had this before, this uh, split round one. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the combination of the split round one and the just like the massive like slew of dudes between like, 399 and 
600, like, you know, Ruben Cotter's probably the absolute peak of that or Panasini, like someone in that range. Like all the way from those two all the way to Piakura, there's just so many guys and it's really hard to work out. Yeah, my biggest challenge has definitely be trying to work out the uh, the structure of my team in terms of kind of those last little spots that I'm shuffling around. So obviously we've got uh, so many really, really good forwards that I'm sort of struggling between whether I make Salmon my 17th or 18th man. Um, and obviously with, with weeks coming out of the starting 17 and pushing into 18th man and promoting Salmon, uh, usually you'd want to put a uh, – a forward as your um as is your preferred starter, which is kind of leading me towards that way, uh, and it just means then I can go and spend some money on two uh, really strong uh, backs, whether it's like a turbo and a Penasini or something like that, because I think I've just sort of quite got enough money for that. But I really want to start with Kotrick as my outside back cover, and then I've got Hughes, McKayley, Salmon, and then Weeks. That would be so I sort of. I'd then be cutting out like a really strong, like a forward that I really, really like to to make that work. So I'm just going to try and deal with that. Maybe I just will just decide to not start with McKaylee instead. And, and like if I push push weeks over, then I can I can sort of spend about uh, how much is it? One point three five on two guys, which should get me to like Turbo and Penasini, which I think probably uh, conventionally might be the way to go. Uh, but I mean, Ryan, you do have your your harsh strategy that you floated to us sort of hanging around in my brain. So what's what's the biggest uh, the challenge that you're sort of trying to deal with at the moment? Yeah, look, I, I think it's the same as you. Um, you know, it's a, we've had the core of our teams locked in for a little while now. It's sort of shuffling around those final few places. Uh, it's always the tough and making those final decisions between the, the guys you've had a bit of a coin flip on. Like we've had, you know, Tom Travojevic versus Kalen Ponga discussion. Um, Tamalola versus Tatola discussion, like guys in those similar price brackets or not too far off each other that you've sort of been flipping a coin on trying to decide the right team composition. So that's always the tough one. And, um, yeah, it's it's probably going to take uh, Team TLT uh, Part 2 to, to figure it all out, I think. <laughs> yeah, some definitely some big decisions to make. Uh, and hopefully we can sort of weed it all and, and make it all work. So... Yeah, sounds sounds good, mate. All right, thanks for joining us. We somehow lost Rob to a uh, impromptu uh, update, and we've had some real troubles recording the last four minutes of this podcast. So hopefully, it's not too bad. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, you enjoyed the podcast. If you've got any questions, further questions, uh, put them on the uh, the questions pod, or you know, shoot us obviously in the DMs. But obviously, we like to answer them on the podcast if we can, so that more people have access to the information rather than the DMs, if possible. But understand sometimes that's that's not the case so thanks for joining us hope you appreciate it and enjoy the podcast and we will see you for the questions love you guys this show was brought to you by good friends at picklebet you can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to picklebet and using the code amateurs on your first deposit to let them know where we found you make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose for free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.